Welcome to the Locala Podcast. This is episode two. And it's not only about, I've learned that it's not only the women, it's men too. If men have a story too, I think it's time for you guys to say it too, because you guys are not only the, we're not only the victims, men are too. And I've learned that as well. Now that I have a son, I've learned that too. Welcome to the Locala Podcast. I'm Lisa Anderson, your host and publisher of Locala Magazine. Today in our chair, we have Esmerna Caravaggio, who is the owner of Esmerna's Notary Accounting and Tax Services, ENAT Pro Services, ENAT Consumer Collection Agency. She is also the co-founder of the Hispanic Business Council, as well as a participating author in Shameless, 15 Women Share Their Journey of Self-Awareness, Self-Love, and Leading with Light. Before we dive in with Esmerna, I would like to also thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Your Place Insurance Mortgage and Title, your everything agency. One call and you can have help with your mortgage, title insurance, homeowner's insurance, plus get a licensed realtor with Professional Realty of Ocala. Visit www.yourplaceocala.com to learn more. And if you don't recognize Esmerna from all of her other accomplishments and businesses, you might recognize her from our August 2021 issue, which is already a year old. Can you believe it? When she was our feature in that magazine. So welcome, Esmerna. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So when we originally sat down and had our conversation for your article. We talked about where you came from, which is Cleveland, Ohio. And we talked about the journey about coming to Ocala and starting a business, and especially a home business for a tax accountant, which when I reread the article, you said people were a little nervous about coming out to your home. So can you kind of highlight that story for us about the coming to, how you got here a little bit and, and then that, that transition from your home office into uh, an actual office. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Lisa, and thank you to your team for having me here today. It's, uh, it's wonderful. I can't believe it's been a year since the last time we interviewed on, on me and what happened and what's going on. So, yes, um, I come from Cleveland, Ohio. I brought my business back in 2016, the end of 16, but it's, you know, Florida <laughs> has their specialties. So it took about two, almost two years for it to launch. So I launched it in 2018. And yes, I did it from home. And people were afraid to come in because I'm on two acres. And, you know, it's kind of weary. I understand that, especially as a tax preparer, because as a tax professional, you are now having their personal information. So I completely understood that. But the good thing was, is that all the clients that came, they understood that this is where I'm starting. This is my stepstone. Please bear with me until I grow. And I had the opportunity during that time around 2019, I think it was, is when I got the opportunity for an office. So I was inside of a warehouse, a mattress warehouse. I was going to say, wasn't it mattress warehouse? Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they gave me this mattress warehouse is on 27 and 40. Um, it was the yellow building everybody knew across the street from the cars on the top. And I really think my business blew up there. It doesn't matter how 
the outside look as long as the inside had that smile, like we called it. That's where um, I started to blow up even more and people were a lot more comfortable, confused, but comfortable, (laughs) (laughs) which was better because it was for the public. Yeah. Then in uh, 2020, obviously COVID hit. A lot of people were going down, unfortunately, but I was blessed to, to say that I was able to help a lot of people and be steady as much as they could, as much as I could as well. With that, I grew a clientele so big to where I needed more room. And then we um, that's when I moved into 2021. I moved into the current office we have right now, which is off of Silver Springs Boulevard. Huge office, and that's also HBC's home as well, Hispanic Business Council home as well. So it was just in the last four years, it's been growth after growth after growth and very excited about that. But the community is the biggest that has helped us get there yeah. today. Yeah. So tell me about the different stress levels from working from home to having to pivot during COVID to figure out exactly how you're going to still help people and to what you're doing now. So how are you doing? How is that emotional journey for you? So working from home is not good for me because I get distracted. I just want to be in the kitchen making something to eat. <laughs> so I knew for a fact it was time for me to move on. Now to, I know where your daughter gets it yeah, from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whole baking and everything. Yeah. So it was like I would do something and walk to my kitchen and do something else, walk to my kitchen. Oh, wait, let's put this load. So I realized it wasn't for me. There's a lot of people that can definitely do the work from home. And honestly, I wish I could too, but it, it's not for me. I I have to be out of the house. I have to. I will not concentrate. So sh- shifting from that to the office location was great. Yeah. That was, uh, it was big for me. It was, like I said, it was the most humble office. I would tell everybody, welcome to my humble office. It was so tiny, but I didn't care. I loved it. And once COVID hit, that's when we were all scared. Obviously, we didn't know what was going to happen. Was I going to shut down? And the blessing part of it was is I didn't have to shut down because I was actually someone that the community needed as a notary. So the sheriff's department shut down. They couldn't do notaries. Um, there was a lot of other places that do notaries. You know, no one could go into. So the good part was is I'm a mobile notary. So I was able to help people get their electric on, their gas on, their cars information, like their tags and so on with that information. Just general life stuff. Yeah, now. yeah, that you would need on a daily basis. So that was really good for me, where I was able to help the community with that part alone. Then came in the taxes. So everybody, you know, everybody wanted the stimulus checks (laughs) which is fine everybody wants that extra money why not and we were able to you know move like everybody says pivot into the whole what are we going to do now so I was able to guinea pig off of the um PPP loans and the SBA loans for myself first because I didn't want to give the community and me not know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I did it for myself. It kind of worked, but I got through it. Um, A lot of bankers were really good to help us out, especially a chapter um, that I'm currently in with Strategic Allies. And we just kept moving on and we were able to help the community from getting their taxes to getting the PPP loans to getting the SBA notaries that were needed. Um, you would be surprised how many people are late with their taxes, but that was okay because this was the time for them to catch up. Yeah. And I, and I think that that was a good thing of, of COVID and we were able to do a lot of things virtual, mm-hmm. which was also, it's, it's scary 
but it was also good. So it was a lot of paperwork of disclosures and promises that we're not going to share your information. So it was pretty hard because, I mean, I can't sit there and say, give me your social security number. And you're looking at me sideways like, what? Right, right, right. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to get credit cards. In. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so I was very happy that people understood that this was the only way if you don't want to get sick, you know, we couldn't see each other. So that was another thing. I'm a people person. So not being able to see people was really hard. So I, I like Zoom. It was okay. And I like, you know, Apple phone and the Google, all that duo stuff, all that great stuff to see people, but definitely not as seeing people face to face. Yeah. Do you, do you find that um, more people are coming back into your office now or are they still requesting to do a lot of, um, like virtual things through secure uh, sites, you know, like maybe come and have the initial consultation, but then just handle everything digitally. So everybody likes to come in <laughs> and I understand why, because yeah. you want to make sure that you know who I am, especially if they're new. Yeah. If it's someone that's already known me forever, they'll just send everything through, do what you need to do and get back at me when you're done, yeah. you know. But when it's their new, they definitely want to come in. And I have very good respect for that. I mean, we've always had the office clean. So, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. so they'll be safe in there. But everybody is definitely coming back face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And business is doing pretty well so far. It is. It's uh, it's a blessing. I've uh, gotten a lot of opportunities. So, yeah, it's very busy, and I, I love that I'm able to staff up now. So I have uh, we have staff, and it is fun. It's fun. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Has its times, but it's fun. Yeah. So, okay, you did help co-found the Hispanic Business Council. So I want to talk a little bit about what it was like for you to come from um, a strong Hispanic community that's in Cleveland, Ohio, to Ocala, where there isn't, it's growing now, but not so much when you first got here. So tell me what that was like for you. So in Cleveland, Ohio, I was part of the um, Hispanic Chamber of Commerce there. They are the ones that helped me build my business, my business plan, and you know, everything that was needed there. And it, it is a big city. Cleveland, Ohio is a big city. Also, I was part of the Young Latinos Network as well when they started launching it too. So it was more of the community help there. The big chamber itself was um, in a larger city. So it was pretty nice to have the Hispanic chamber there. Then they also had the council as well, Hispanic Business Council. So when I came here, I ran to the chamber here, the CEP. I went there and I, you know, was like, hey, you know, I'm from Cleveland. You know, I told them my little bit of my story. And they said, no, unfortunately, it had closed down. Uh, Hispanic Business Council here in Ocala originally had closed down back in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. And when I found that out, it was kind of sad because it was really hard to find the Hispanics out here when I first got here in, um, in eight, when I was launching the business in 18. So I kept searching. Um, I learned to, thanks to a notary I did, um, a gentleman helped me to find BNI. That's where I, that was my first place I ever networked. From there, I got the opportunity with the Better Business Bureau to be part of their um, board of directors as well. So I was able to communicate with Holly, who is the, um, the president of Central Florida Better Business Bureau. And she was the one that guided me as well. So between the gentleman and um, Holly, they were the ones that told me, hey, this is what you should do, start networking. And I'm sitting there like, what's networking? <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I remembered with the young Latinos in Cleveland that networking is just coming out to coffee or meetings and so on. So I started doing that. So um, 
I remember Sonda Eunice when I first moved here. So I worked there with her dad for about a year secretly without them knowing I was a business owner. (laughs) (laughs) So Sonda also had launched her business as well. And she had a lot of what she does today, you know, the meetings and the um, networkings after hours, mornings and after hours. So I appeared in one of hers and that's where it began. In one of those is when I met my business partner, Julian. Julian also comes from a big city, lots of Hispanics in Miami, and we happen to talk and, you know, where are you from, you know, all the basic information, and then I started asking him, like, hey, you know, where's the Hispanics at here? And he said, yes, I asked the same question when I got here a year ago as well, so he's, I think he's been here a year and a half more than me, I think, that him and his family, and so we just kept talking and kept trying to see where can we find the Hispanics. And um, he is part of the VetNet group. He's a, a veteran. So that was very helpful, too. Mm-hmm. And then meeting all of, all of them was great. So from there, we started just honestly talking, trying to see what we can do. <laughs> and then in the middle of COVID, it's I guess we were bored. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we just launched the Hispanic Business Council. So I went back to the CEP, let them know what my idea was. They were um, all for it as a networking group. They were like, yeah, you know, that'll be good as a networking group. Start off that way. That'll be great, which was fine with us. So we were like, okay, let's see. So I think I got kind of tested, which is cool because I like Tom. Um, Tom James, I think his name is. I like him because I think he kind of tested me. It was August of 2020. When he said it was towards the end, so it's going to be two years. And he said, you know, okay, so you can use the power plant and you want to do your first meeting. I said, yeah. He was like, okay, the first time I have available is September 3rd. I'll never forget. It's Thursday, September 3rd. And I'm like, thinking, you know, so he's like, can you do it? Or are you not ready? I said, oh, okay, I'm ready. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. Come in all powerful. And I go back to my business partner. I said, so our first meeting's next week. (laughs) On the third, he gives me the look, what? And I says, yep, we're going to launch our first HBC meeting live at the power plant. We just got to make sure everybody has, you know, mask and all that great stuff. Make sure we're compliant. And we did it. And we didn't think that we, I think that was our first meeting. We had 37, 38 people. It was the first time. And we didn't, that's where we realized that the Hispanics were definitely in need. Then we started noticing the minority, entire community minority were in need, and also small businesses that you don't need to know Spanish. So it grew. So she'll be two years old in the next few weeks, and it's it's a beauty. You know, we do have our ups and downs. Uh, We do have a nonprofit coming up workshop, and I'll be sitting there because I should have did that in the beginning. You know what? Sometimes you have to learn through trial and error in order to get it right. Yeah. But if you can sit down and get ahead of the curve at a class like that. That'd be I'm amazing. Definitely doing that. Yeah. Because yeah. I need it. So yeah. I even told my partner, like, we are sitting in this workshop, like two students. <laughs> I said, because I think we've done a great job. Everybody's been very supportive with this, um, the entire community. So like I said, for the Hispanic Business Council, you don't have to be Hispanic. Yeah. Reason being is it was obviously to attract the Hispanics because like you said, here in Ocala, they're here, but they're not vis- visible, basically, you want to say, or they're not, they're, they're scared. Mm-hmm. I, that's the bottom line with that. 
And I think that in the last two years, they have finally come out and it's working. I think that this is working. We want to find ways to make it work. We want everybody to come together. And that's a good thing about the CEP. They want everyone to come together. And I think that that's, that's great. Okay. Well, perfect. We're going to take a quick break and thank our sponsor again, um, which is Your Place Insurance Mortgage and Title, Your Everything Agency. One call to have your mortgage, your title services, your homeowner's insurance, plus you get a licensed realtor through Professional Realty of Ocala. All in one spot, you can visit www.yourplaceocala.com to learn more. Okay, so I want to head um, back on over to talk to you a little bit about um, some of the things that we you have coming up with the Hispanic Business Council. So you, we were just talking about the nonprofit um, SCORE, and you guys do a lot with SCORE to help with the small businesses. And I take part in HBC because it is a fabulous um, place to be able to go, and um, especially for my mission to make sure that I'm inclusive of all types of diversity, as well as just a small business owner to be able to come and, and learn from you guys. It's amazing. Um, but I happen to know that you have um, some things coming up in September for the Locala issue. We're focusing on the Hispanic community, and we have some wonderful stories coming in there. I can't wait for everybody to read that. So I have two questions about that. The first one, why don't you go ahead and um, tell me about that fun event? I was going to ask you, but I already told you that you have one coming. So <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and tell me about that fun event that you're doing to celebrate the um, Hispanic Heritage Month? So we are um, pretty much co-hosting with uh, CF. They, on October 1st at the Appleton Museum, I think it's from 10 to 3, don't quote me. I know it starts at 10. <laughs> and we are celebrating the Hispanic Heritage Month with the CF. So we're really excited. There's going to be, obviously, Spanish food. There's going to be music. There's going to be dances. There's going to be so much for everyone's culture. So everyone knows we're Hispanic, but our own culture, we have multiple cultures. You know, like I'm Puerto Rican. My business partner, he's from Colombia, but he was also raised around Cubans. So it's like just those three alone. And then even in my own office, we have from Puerto Rican to Cuban to Colombian to Venezuela. So it's pretty cool. And this is something we like to share. We love for you guys to hear us talk. We love for you guys to, you know, taste our food, feel what we feel with our culture. And that's one that that day will be pretty awesome to do. After that, there'll be another one, <laughs> and that's in December. So the December one will be announced. I, my apologies, I did forget what day it is, but it is, I think, the third Saturday. It will be, it'll be the second year that we'll be celebrating um, the Three Kings, Tres Reyes Magos. Sure. This is the second year that we'll be able to do that, so we're co-sponsoring and co-hosting that one as well. Oh, fun. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, okay, so before we leave this particular topic about the Hispanic community, um, what is something that you feel that the Ocala community can do to help embrace the Hispanic community into the community as a whole? So with the the community itself is is large and we are growing and one of the biggest growth is um, the Hispanics too. So if you look around, the Hispanics are we're pretty much everywhere. <laughs> You just gotta, re you know, you can't even, you don't even have to really look. We're right there. Yeah. It's more embracing whether they are working on your yard, working on your roof, wherever they're working at, just embrace them, help them, ask them, talk to them. That's all we really want. 
don't make us feel scared. That's uh, one of the biggest things. You know, I don't like to, it's not that it's a bad thing, but at the same time, I don't want to make it like everyone scares us. That's not the point. The point is, it's just embracing our culture as well as we embrace the United States' culture itself. Does that make any type of sense? Mm -hmm. So it's help the community help us all we help you we definitely help your community help our community we are not you you're not us we are we yes that's the way i want it to be is we and i say this all the time in my meetings we are we yes i bring in my spanish hola buenos dias (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's something where even people come out and you see they say i know how to say seat you're in That's me. <laughs> <laughs> you say, see, you're in. That's how lovable we are, and we yeah. want to feel loved the same exact way. Yeah. That's what we want. Perfect. So, okay, we're going to sh- switch gears a little bit, and we're going to go into a little bit more personal story. And that means I'm going to dive into your participating chapter in the Shameless book because that's your first time as being an author. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and it was a very scary story to tell. So I want you to, if you could, talk a little bit about that personal journey for yourself and how you found the strength and to be able to tell. And if you wouldn't mind highlighting just a little bit of that story so people understand um, what it's about. And if they want to read the whole story, they can go get the book. But um, just kind of give that little bit of overview of what it's about. So first, when the opportunity came, you know that I was like, what? Write about me? Nah. And then everyone who supported and I went up to and said, you know, this woman wants me to write about my story. (laughs) She went from Lisa to this woman. (laughs) And it wasn't under anger or anything. It was more under shock, like, you want me to tell my story? So you guys know I'm Hispanic, and in the Hispanic culture, you really don't say the things that happen to you. You always keep it quiet. It's always been that way. Why? I don't know. We just grew up with that. So, of course, we kept we keep it to ourselves, and we you learn from it. You dwell from it. There's just so many things you do from it, unfortunately. And mine was, is I always, as a kid, as a teen, I wanted to come forward. I always wanted to come forward. So the only way I knew I can do that was being strong for my daughter. So I had my daughter, Ariana, um, at age 20. I didn't want her to go through what I went through. So, you know, I did my promises and, and I stayed overprotected. She's 21 today and I'm still overprotected. <laughs> She'll be 83. I'll still be overprotected. I'm so sorry. You'll be kicking pretty good at 103 at that point if you were 20, right? Yes. I would be throwing my cane, whatever I have. And so being a mother, of course, God gives me a girl. I'm like, why'd you give me a girl? You know, you know what I went through? I should have a boy or shouldn't even have any kids at this point. You know why? And in my story, I say that, you know, the things that you hear still remind you. So it's the fact of, you know, the the damage that they do to you, the person that has done to you, the, I, it's just, it's a lot of mixed emotions. Yeah. And it's how do you say your story? How, how do you start talking? Where do you start without looking like a victim? Mm-hmm. So that was another thing. So in our culture, you better not be a victim. You have to be strong. You have to, you have to fight it, be strong, and walk through it. Yeah. And regardless, step on it and keep going. That's what I did. 
So I stepped on it and I kept going the way I should go. So in life, you have two. I think you have two routes. You either succeed or you go towards something that is negative, like drugs and drinking and so on with that. So I went with, you know, family past. I went towards success. Mm -hmm. I'm going to succeed and that's my that was my push and especially for my daughter I wanted my daughter to see that mom went through a lot so in my story I do share um, the trauma that I you know still carry today mm-hmm. being able to share my story it was actually a, a relief so I thank you for that and then I also thank those who supported me as well and it was a big relief because I've, I've been carrying this burden for years over me like and you know, when you go to other events and you hear their story, you sit there and you just bawl crying because you know that feeling. And it was like, when can I say my story? So in 2020, right before COVID hit like hard, I remember going to Ignite and the Kimberly Center was there. And I remember, I think it was two or three ladies that were telling their story. And I'm sitting there, I'm just bawling because I know, I feel it. Yeah. And I said, one day I'm, I'm going to be able to tell my story. I know I am, but how? How do you do that without reflecting so bad on your Hispanic culture and your Hispanic family? How do you how do you do that? And with the strength of everyone, basically, who knew that I was going to do the story was like, when you do this, you are going to feel a relief. And I did. I did. So when you gave me this opportunity yeah, I mean, it's still, it still haunts, you know, like in the beginning of my story, you hear me, you know, it's like the, 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 the sound of the car. That still haunts me till this day. Every time I hear it, you know, I'm looking to the sides, you know, knowing that, you know, everything is over with. It is, it's over with. And I'm grateful for it, mm-hmm. that it's over with, but it will always stay there. So the, protecting my kids is one of the biggest of why I did that. So... For anybody that hasn't um, read the story yet, uh, my company, Lee Sanderson Media, the overarching company that publishes Locala Magazine, um, published Shameless. And um, I only participated with an intro into the book and let the 15 women um, be the stars of this book because they deserve to be. And um, as Myrna's story highlights a part of her life um, that deals with uh, sexual abuse as a child and what that did for her and how she came out on the other side, that's one of the things that I love most about this book is that every single one of you have come out on the other side. And even though you have, each of you have all said that it was a healing process to tell that part of your story again. You know, we have some women that um, that's part of their mission is to tell their story in their business and their nonprofits and stuff like that. Um, but sitting down and writing it out for the first time was definitely a healing process for a lot of, if not all of the women that participated in it. And I just thank you guys very much because, um, like you said, it's a it's a powerful uh, movement. And not only was it a healing journey for yourself but it can be a healing journey for other women who may have gone through a similar situation. And like you said, to be able to turn left or right, you know, whether you're going to go down the darker path or whether you're going to, as the book suggests, lead with light and come out on the other side and find a way to get through that. Um, So thank you very much for that. Um, So how has that helped you now, as you know, I know it played a lot in your story. You talk a lot about how um, it shaped how you raised your children 
um, and you did wind up having a son, so you got one of both. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how has that um, been for you over the last few years? How's that? How has that shaped your parenting story, and how do you think that's going to shape now that you've shared that story and gotten that part of it out? How is that going to shape the rest of you know, because your son is younger, your your daughter might be twenty one mm-hmm. and 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 an adult, but um, you're still a parent always, right? Yes. Like you said, and you'll be one hundred and three and throwing yep. your cane. Yep. Um, <laughs> but um, your son is still younger. Is he what? Ten. Ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about how all of this has affected your parenting. <laughs> so of course, after having uh, my daughter, she was about almost 12 when I found out I was pregnant again. So with him, I said, well, you know, it's, it's gotta be a girl because of my feeling towards men at the time. And so, you know, with my, you'll read in my book. So read the book (laughs) or my (laughs) chapter, sorry, it's our book in the chapter. You, I have feeling, I had a different uh, view of feelings towards the male species, uh, you know, themselves. So even though, having a great father, a great husband for my, my, my daughter and myself, it still was still lingering there. So of course, God had a different view. He knew that even after so many years, I still felt that way. So he gives me a boy. So I find out, you know, during ultrasound, you know, a great moment of your life. And sure enough, it's straight up a boy. We, it was straight <laughs> no up a boy. No that denying that one. Where that arrow hit, you guys already know. <laughs> so I start crying, like, Why? 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 Like, okay. So you usually don't ask why, but I was asking why. You know, we're human. The moment my son was born, I can feel immediately why. Like, it was a reflection to show that not all male species are bad. That's where I said, I, you know, I grew up. I grew up. And he changed my life again. So not only did my daughter change my life, my, my son did two different ways, both of them. And as a, as a male species now, as a boy, and then when he becomes a man, it's now, to me, my job is now protecting him to know how to treat a woman, to know how to treat all of females and not go down that path that that monster did with me. And so he's 10. He's so lovable. Yes, because he's little. (laughs) I hope he stays that way. But I can see and I can feel that he is going to be, um, he's going to be a good man. And the reason, and everybody has their times. He's going to be a teen soon, so you'll see me slapping him around for a few times. (laughs) But I'm still going to be there. And so he can know that I'm still here. And I know, you know, his dad, he's going to be there as well. And, of course, his sister. He loves his sister more than I think he loves me. (laughs) Because he runs to Ariana for everything. But he changed my life. And because he changed my life, that was also another strength to tell my story as well. When he gets older and understands, I want him to also know my story. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, I'm going to ask you one last question. And whether you have an answer to it or not, that's up to you. But do you have anything else that you would like to add? Just stay strong. For women, stay strong on a personal note. 
If you're a businesswoman or about to be a businesswoman, go for it. We can do this. We got this. And it's not only about, I've learned that it's not only the women, it's men too. If men have a story too, I think it's time for you guys to say it too because you guys are not only the, we're not only the victims, men are too. And I've learned that as well. Now that I have a son, I've learned that too. So I'm being grateful with all species. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Esmerna. I'm so happy that you came onto the show. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us here on episode two of the Locala podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Lisa Anderson, and I am the publisher of Locala magazine. I would like to take a moment to also thank our sponsor, Your Place Insurance, Mortgage and Title, Your Everything Agency. You can find them at www.yourplaceocala.com to learn more about their services. If you would like to read Esmerna's story or any other issue of the magazine, you can visit us at www.localamag.com. If you would like to purchase the book and have all the proceeds go to Pace Center for Girls in Marion County, Florida, you can visit Amazon and simply type in shameless 15 women share their journey of self-awareness, self-love, and leading with light. We look forward to having you with us for the next episode of the Locala podcast, where we focus on connections through stories.